0: <laughs> What's well wrong? to shot. Attention, rescue. Checking for traffic. We have 1033 traffic. 1033 traffic at Belos and Windsor. Subject has been shot. Okay, we're going to be taking one
1: at B-lows. in. Advise unit two to rush it up. It was a Sunday night in the little town of Windsor, North Carolina. Everything was winding down. Not much went on on Sunday evenings except for church and family time. At 6 p.m., the manager of the local grocery store locked the doors. He and the lone cashier went about doing the closing duties. Four members of the cleaning crew were also in the store and were starting their tasks. They had no idea that there was a killer hiding in the store, waiting for the right moment to strike. Evil was about to touch this little southern town. It would leave three innocent people dead and three others with a lifetime of nightmares and questions. In nearby homes, Families were dressing for evening sermons or sitting down for a home-cooked meal. If only they could have known that a killer was about to step out of his hiding spot and commit a crime so brutal that no one in Windsor would ever feel quite the same again.
0: Hello, fellow sleuths. I'm Kathy Briggs
1: and I'm Michael Briggs
0: and you are listening to a Southern Sleuth podcast. is a small town on what is called the inner banks of North Carolina. People there fish and boat on the Cashew River. They enjoy the laid back small town lifestyle. North Carolina is full of quiet little towns like Windsor and that makes what happened in Windsor on June 6, 1993 more shocking than if it had been in a big city. Although this crime has some unusual aspects that would make it stand out almost anywhere. On the day of the crime, Beload grocery store manager Grover Cecil, who everyone called Bud, and cashier Joyce Reason were closing up for the evening. Four cleaning crew workers were there to do their cleaning, and from what I understand, they had a bigger crew than usual due to plans to strip and wax the floor. Everyone was just performing their normal duties, unaware that someone had hidden in the store prior to the doors being locked. That person came out and approached Joyce who led him to the manager. This man had a gun and he used it to control Mr. Cecil and the cashier. He was able to get $3,000 in cash and money orders and put it into a cloth sack he had taken from the store. And then he led the two employees to the last aisle and told Bud to gather the cleaning crew. Crew members Johnny Rankin's Tony Welch, Jasper Hardy, and his brother Thomas Hardy joined Bud and Joyce in the back of the store. The gunman had Bud bind the others with duct tape and then he took over to tape Bud's hands.
1: This is just so awful to imagine a town that size, you know, a, a crime like this being committed where there's probably only one store it's got to affect like, everybody that comes through there because they're gonna know about this horrible thing and nobody's gonna feel safe ever
0: right because i'm sure everyone in the town had known everyone at that store and went in right. that store yeah all the time right because so, i mean like you said i don't know for sure that it was the only grocery store but the tiniest I think it was about twenty four hundred people at that time, so I can't imagine that it had a whole bunch of grocery stores, yeah, so
1: Nashville's double that size, and it's got two right so wow it's just it's just unreal to think how that must have instantly exponentially increased the fear factor, you know it's just such a wild thing,
0: right. Um, so the gumman then made Tony Welch and Thomas and Jasper Hardy lie on the floor, and he ordered the other three people to lie on top. So there were three stacks of people lying there at the mercy of this man.
1: Three stacks of two. Right. That's another thing. It's a little bizarre. Just stacking. Right,
0: stacking people, yeah. and, and they're really not sure why, but... Um, He told them that he was a former police officer and that he had been fired. It's reported he spoke in an even tone with a calm manner. He didn't appear angry. He wasn't yelling. I'm not sure how much back and forth conversation there was, if any. I haven't heard anything about that. But the next reported thing that he said was he asked God to forgive him for what he was about to do. And he started shooting into the stacks. He needs some forgiveness. He fired three shots and tried for four, but the gun did not fire. And this is one of the things they're not sure if if he knew he didn't have a lot of ammunition. And that's why he stacked them because he was trying to conserve his bullets or if there was some other weird reason that he did that. I didn't think about that. So after that, he rolled the top victims off and then he saw that the two brothers, Thomas and Jasper were untouched by bullets. He retrieved a knife from within the store and came back to the group. He then asked each of the brothers one at a time if they would identify him to the police, and both answered no.
1: Yeah, I'm having a hard time with that little detail because it just seems to me that by asking that question, he knew who they were or they knew him or vice versa because how else could they identify him if they didn't know who he was
0: I don't know if he meant like identify him or describe him or right. but both of them said no and then he, he cut Jasper Hardy's throat and he stabbed him so hard the knife broke so he intended to kill him and then he does something really odd Um he goes to the other brother Thomas and he says to him I'm going to let you live. You'll be a hero. And he ran out of the store. So, Tony Welsh, he was shot. And he was bleeding so badly that the blood actually loosened the duct tape on his hands and he was able to get free. And then he drug himself to the phone and called 911. That was him that you hear at the beginning of the podcast. And then law enforcement, EMS, all these people arrived to find three victims deceased, two badly injured, and one without a mark. The murder victims were Bud Cecil, Joyce Reason, and Johnny Rankins. One officer said that he would always remember the smell of the blood because there was so much of it, the smell was overwhelming.
1: So there were three survivors.
0: Three survivors. okay. The the one
1: guy that was untouched and the two brothers. Right. And nobody, could anybody get a composite or sketch or anything?
0: Um, Yeah, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, There was a lot of evidence. They had shell casings, fingerprints, shoe prints, and, of course, three living eyewitnesses. And all of them were questioned um, to the best that they could be, and it was kind of checked out to see if any of the victims living or dead had had any connection possibly with this. The unharmed victim was questioned rather extensively because there was some suspicion around him because how did he come out without any wounds when it was such a savage crime? But as far as I know, nothing was found to connect any of the victims to the commission of the crime.
1: Just crazy person.
0: Yeah. And, And they did give a description, and a drawing was made up. And then citizens were questioned, and some reported a small white car seen speeding out of town, and it had Maryland plates on it around the time of the murders. But I don't know if that car was ever located. I didn't see any mention of it other than that people had reported it, reported seeing it. And then all the fingerprints were put into the National Database. There was no match, and there was no response for the initial drawing that they had done of the perpetrator. So investigators were coming up empty, and they were really hoping for a big break when they thought they got one in the fall of 1993. A food line in Raleigh was robbed, and in that robbery, two employees were bound and killed. And it seemed like the same killer had targeted another North Carolina grocery store, but Michael, as you know, it was not connected.
1: Yes, that was actually a guy I went to high school with. Actually, grew up uh, the one of the guys that was murdered grew up right around the block from me. His name was Mike True Love, and he was a very nice man. You know, he, his family was real. Real sweet. I remember going over to his house one time. His mom was very uh, hospitable, and he was just uh, probably one of the more well liked people. Uh, he was a little bit bigger guy, tall, uh, but always laughing, and um, he was well liked in high school. But it was—I uh, think the mot- motive of that crime was robbery. If I'm not one of the two brothers that ended up. Yeah, and that. I think
0: one of them had been an employee, employee of the store. So had like a,
1: a, a grunge there, kind of specifically. Or just might have been just robbery. I don't know. I don't. I know he couldn't have been mad at Mike because he was, I don't know if he ever had an enemy in his life.
0: I think they were just robbing it and right. they just took them out because they knew who they were.
1: Mm.
0: So when they realized these weren't connected, investigators were back at square one um, they had that sketch, but then they, um, talked again with Tony Welch, one of the survivors, and he was able to give a more detailed sketch with a different artist and they came out with a better composite and we'll put that up on the website so that y'all can take a look. And I'm sure that everyone in the whole area was looking at everyone they knew trying to figure out if they were the person in that sketch.
1: Yeah. Cause it's gotta be somebody close by. I mean, it's such a small area. I guess it could be out of towner, but it's just hard to imagine that and that would be the fear. It's like you're looking at everybody going, "Is that the person?"
0: Right, and know? in the in the new composite, he has a pretty distinctive nose, which they've also all said that he had that his nose looked like it had been broken before. So some investigators think that the drawing actually hurt them because everyone was walking around focusing so hard on the nose and maybe it wasn't quite as noticeable as it is in the drawing and they they really expected it to stand out like oh my god if you see someone with a nose like that you're gonna but they're thinking maybe it wasn't as prominent as it appears in the sketch and then it may have actually hurt the investigation instead of helping it
1: yeah i was wondering what technology if they could scan and get a similar you know i know they use facial recognition it's got to be a photograph but i wonder if there's technology coming along of course could get you in the wrong direction like like you're saying the nose won't quite right so it got them off in the wrong direction a little bit
0: okay while i was researching this and looking into it and to see any other information i could find while digging i found an article that mentioned the below in Hertford, North Carolina being robbed 11 months after the Windsor one. And I did a little more digging, had to pay a little bit. And I found another article that described it. And Hertford is about half an hour from Windsor. So pretty close. And in this robbery, no one was injured. The robber had hidden the store, just like in the Windsor robbery, and the employees were bound in a very similar fashion. But no, I didn't find anything else about this, which is so weird to me because it was so similar, and it seems like it would be mentioned in other articles, but I only found one below Windsor article that mentioned it, and it was about like a anniversary memorial thing they had done for it. Um, And it mentioned it. And, but I didn't find any other, I didn't find out if it was solved. I didn't see where any arrests had been made. I actually reached out to a reporter from that area and he responded to me and told me that he didn't remember it at all. And that he would you know, check some of his contacts, and he'd get back to me, but i never heard back from him. See, so you saying
1: he didn't remember the other robbery at he all? He said
0: he had no recollection of that at all.
1: Wow. I mean, that's that's hard to... Imagine that they wouldn't be...
0: Right. 30 minutes away, 11 months later, the food line one, such a big deal, was made out of that one, and that was all the way in Raleigh from Windsor, and here you have one. So that makes me think that they must know who did that one. That must have been wrapped up somehow, because I didn't find anything else about it. I tried to reach out to who I believe was the manager of the store at that time during the robbery was actually there. But he didn't answer me either. I reached out to a lot of people about this crime that had something to do with it or either had been known to to do a lot of research on it, but no one answered me. So I don't know if people just don't want to talk about it anymore, if they're over it, if it's so old and cold that they just don't talk about it anymore.
1: Could be. I mean, it could eventually... Uh, the relatives and loved ones of people involved, but but here you still got three survivors that are still alive. And I, I as far
0: as I know, and I don't know for All sure. Right. I know actually, I do know Tony Welsh, the survivor that called nine one one. He did die um, some years later. He lost his life to cancer. Right. So They're- I'm not really sure if if they are alive. I didn't find anything about that. I do believe at least one of the brothers is alive
1: just hard to imagine the fear that it must have you know taken over through the town after something like that and to know that it's got to be so unsettling you know you think they would have stayed on it and try i mean i guess try to do all you can but
0: right and this this is where it stands um it's almost been 26 years or just a few weeks shy of 26 years they did say that DNA was collected. Now, I don't know what kind of DNA and what it was collected off of. I wonder, you know, when he stabbed the one brother and the knife broke, I'm wondering if he cut himself because that's very common. Now, back then, of course, we didn't really know about DNA, but maybe they were smart enough to preserve some of that evidence, and I don't know if how much of it and how it could be used today, but but hopefully that'll lead them to somewhere and this can be solved.
1: We've sure been taking care of a lot of other crimes.
0: Right. Not to say, I don't, I don't know. Just different
1: Um, things. They've been running, running it through databases and finding hits on crimes that people were already in jail for different stuff. And their DNA got, you know, collected. And all of a sudden they're getting pegged for some stuff they did decades ago. I gotta say it's, it's pretty satisfying. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't have any um I don't have any real gut feelings about who I think did it in this case, but you said you thought that maybe they were local, but I don't. I think quite the opposite. I think had it been a local person, it would have been solved already.
1: Yeah, my gut is telling me something to do with the grocery store. Like because of the other one being robbed and then just uh i don't know i can't explain exactly what it is but some kind of feeling is telling me it was like some kind of revenge i just can't let go of that comment about identifying him and that's almost like somebody and see the other people may not have identified him but he may have been on some Involved with the company and some, or a food distributor, or some, somehow it had some contact with that store, and something went wrong. I don't know. That's just my gut, but
0: I do know investigators do not think that the robbery was the primary motive. They think that the murder were the main purpose, and that the robbery was secondary, right. like planned, but not the main reason for going in there. That that he went in there to murder people, right? So they also think that they may he may not have counted on it being six people in there. They think he probably cased the store ahead of time and he may not have known about that many cleaning, cleaning crew. Ooh. Right. If he, even if he had seen the cleaning crew before, it probably wasn't it probably wasn't that many people. So he probably thought that he only had a couple of people to deal with, so he wasn't worried about the fact that he only had three bullets apparently. <laughs> So that's all the information that we have on this. And if you have any information about this crime, please call the Windsor Police Department at 252-794-3111 or the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation at 800 334 A reward of $30,000 is being offered for information that leads to an arrest. And as always, thanks for listening. Please join us in our Facebook group and visit our website, asouthernsleuthpodcast.com, for links and pictures regarding this case. And send us your comments, hit the like button, subscribe, share. Our audience is growing, and we hope we can continue to bring you stories that you find interesting. Thank you for your support.
1: Thank you very much.